My latest sun is sinking fast My race has nearly run My strongest trials are in the past My triumph has begun Listening to Sean of the South. I'm your host tonight, Sean Dietrich. Man, we've got a great show lined up ahead of you here. Coming to you live at the podcast Airwaves. This episode is brought to you by Case Knives, a tradition of my family. Dating back to my granddaddy, who once said the best cure for idle hands was to build something. And by Folklore Brewing and Meadery, quite literally the best brew in Alabama. Visit folklorebrewingandmeadery.com. Bluegrass Band from Fairhope, Alabama, playing the old-timey stuff that'll make you cry. And in the studio today, we've got Caleb Christopher Edwards, virtuoso mandolinist, who's going to bring you some of his new stuff. Also, I'm going to be talking to you like I have for the past several years, doing whatever it is that I do. Do you know what it is that I do? What do I do? (laughs) Oh, come, angel band, come, Stand, bear me away on your snow white wings to my immortal home. Oh, bear me away on your snow white wings to my immortal Well, you are listening to Sean of the South, and I'm your host today, Sean Dietrich, coming to you live with the podcast Airwaves and Radio Waves. People used to ask me, why do you say podcast and radio airwaves? Well, uh, the podcast waves, if you had noticed, they're, they're waves just like radio waves. You know, they travel through the, through the air. A lot of you are listening on cordless headphones. Well, where's that coming from? Uh, a lot of you are listening on cell phones turned all the way up because you broke as a joke and you can't afford headphones. Well, where's... That signal coming from the podcast waves, podcast waves. And uh, when we first started the show, we were on several little radio stations in tiny small towns that ran little uh, uh, local radio shows like the Swapping Shop and stuff like that. You remember what the Swapping Shop is? Yeah, in a tiny town, if you got something you want to sell, like a uh, well, like a bicycle with a rusted bare handlebars, missing its seat, bent spokes, and no chain, and a, a bent uh, axle. You would call a swapping shop and you'd try to sell it for, 
you know, depending on how much you needed, 35 to $85. And right after that swap and shop and those little AM radio stations, they would play our show. And when their ratings started to plummet, uh, they, they would usually call us up and say, we've decided to uh, replace your show with another hour of swap and shop. So in the studio today, we have some great musicians playing behind me, Blue Mullet, love them these guys are not just my friends but they're incredible musicians who have the well they're led by john manlinist and he has the wonderful benefit of being catholic uh, catholics enjoy all the benefits of a happy life because they are allowed to drink uh, they're allowed to dance and do all the things that we southern baptists <laughs> were not allowed to do i had to privilege of being raised a fundamentalist Southern Baptist. We were so stiff that uh, when we died, we actually loosened up a little bit. Caleb Christopher Edwards is a virtuoso mandolinist. He's going to be talking to us a little bit about his new album that he released during a really hard time when COVID-19, the coronavirus, or to many of you Catholics, the Heineken virus, uh, to many of you Episcopalians, the Jack Daniels virus. Uh, this is a time when the musical economy kind of fell to, up to pieces all of a sudden people had gigs and events and now they got nothing i speak from experience here because we had a 22 city tour that we were in the middle of <laughs> and i was in a hotel room watching the tv news eating room service when it said uh covid 19 has hit uh, everything's shutting down well i'll be dog we were at home a few days later and oh these events that we had scheduled for the next upcoming tour, gone. So we are enjoying an extended vacation, sitting on our thumbs, looking up at the midnight sky, pondering the existence of life. Well, that's where all the musicians and entertainers are right now. So Caleb Edwards probably is is wondering what's going to happen to his album, which is why we've put him on this show, because I believe... Uh, that there's people on this show who might really enjoy his music. And if you would, well, you're going to hear about it. But first, we have an important announcement brought to you by Pensacola Midnight Shift Coffee. I was just not feeling myself. I was nasty to strangers. I told lies when the truth was easier and behaved like a real nincompoop at work. <laughs> Something had to give. Then, a friend told me about Pensacola Peace Midnight Chef Coffee. She said that it was fortified with integrity and a secret blend of selflessness and sacrifice. One try, and I was hooked. I immediately had the urge to do the right thing when no one was looking. I could hear colors and anticipate trouble. I earned my black belt in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu in one afternoon. I cooked a tomahawk steak on the George Foreman grill. <laughs> well, thank you, Pensacola Police Midnight Shift Coffee. Yes, Pensacola Midnight Shift Coffee is good for what ails you personally and society at large. It is courtesy, integrity, and professionalism. A cup, a buck from each bag goes to support the Riley Foundation in their fight against childhood cancer. Pick it up wherever finer coffees are sold and online. Or just Google eyes Pensacola Midnight Shift Coffee and tell them Sean sent you. 
Well, I got in here with me Caleb Christopher Edwards, mandolin player extraordinaire from the Nashville area. He is with us today talking about some of the music we're going to be playing uh, that he has just released. He's played with every band conceivable. This is his solo project. Is that right, Caleb? Yes, sir. It is. It's my very first one. <laughs> Let's get into one of your songs. Uh, introduce to me uh, a song here that I'm going to play next. What What is this song? Sure, we'll start off with the very first track. <clears throat> Excuse me, this is, um, you'll, what you'll hear first is a prelude that I composed. Um, like I said, this was sort of an album, it's a love letter to just genre in general, and so I'm a big fan of uh, classical music and just very, very tonal, uh, just for lack of a better word, classic classical music. And so I wanted to write something like that for bluegrass instruments which you don't hear very often and so we start off with a prelude number one and go into the very first song that i composed for this when i was 18 called the bird the bird all right caleb christopher edwards prelude number one into the bird
the faith And all I can do is pray God please keep me safe And I went on my way To a place Where I could fly And not be harmed A place where I can fly so high And not have to wonder why I don't land I will go and stretch my wings And raise up my voice and sing What you just heard was Christopher Caleb Edwards. Godly. Caleb Christopher Edwards. <laughs> Dang it. <laughs> Caleb Christopher Edwards, whose uh, name, if you say it three times fast, gets trickier and trickier each time. I dare you to try it <laughs> out there in listener land. Uh, what you just heard was Prelude, uh, number one, and The Bird. Caleb Christopher Edwards is an incredible mandolinist with classical influences, influences in progressive roots Americana music with bluegrass instruments, but playing intricate compositions that will blow your mind and take you back to another era that represents Davy Crockett as represented by <laughs> Fess Parker. And we can both agree on how much Davy Crockett meant to us. Caleb, thank you for being with us today. Uh, oh, thank you for having me. Man, it is just, you're a caliber musician that just makes me sick to my stomach. Tell me about this next tune that we're going to be listening to here. Sure. This next song is called To Christopher. And so uh, it's funny that you're getting tongue-tied over my name because it's only recently that I started adding my middle name. Um yeah, there was when I started releasing or started looking into releasing my own music, I realized that there was a Caleb Edwards ah. out of St. Louis who had um, some Christian uh, songs that he had a couple albums out. And I remember actually I've been receiving emails on his behalf, and I'm like, nope, this isn't going to work. So I started adding my <laughs> adding my middle name. And That's so, smart. Um, yeah, and it is kind of long, but it's a family name. I'm proud of it. But this song. Um, is kind of a letter to myself. Um, I wrote this when I was 19 or 20, um, and it was kind of a... Uh, I grew up in a in a Baptist home. My dad is still a Baptist minister. Well, I'll and, be. We got way more in common than I knew we did. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a recovering it's Baptist a, myself. Recovering Baptist. I love that. Um, yeah, well, I grew up... You know, in a Baptist church, I still am a member of Baptist church and go every chance I'm I'm home and and so um, this this was kind of where is home for you, Caleb? I didn't even think to ask that. Uh, I'm from Indiana originally. I'm from Indiana. southeastern Indiana. Yeah, southeastern Indiana. Wow. So yes, sir. so Baptist preacher. Your daddy is in Indiana still preaching. Yes. Wow. Yep. Still preaching. So you have been across the U.S., man. A couple times. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but um, so this was kind of a, you know, you get, you kind of come to a certain age, you start to, um, you kind of have to look for those answers on your own. Yeah. And so even though I had a beautiful childhood and uh, um, there comes a certain point where 
faith doesn't it's not it doesn't hold as much weight if you if you just believe it because someone told you you kind of have to search for it and so um so I did and this was kind of me coming on the other side of that and I've since like gone through that whole uh that whole journey again and I think it's just a lifelong thing is what I'm is what I'm discovering is that people you know people that are at least making an attempt to be in tune with some sort of faith you kind of come across different eras of life where you're you're wanting to kind of check back in it's like okay is is you know the world's changing I'm changing is this still where I'm at and so far so good so Man, that is a. This uh, is definitely this is definitely a, a letter a letter to myself about that. All right, to Christopher by Caleb Christopher Edwards.
listening to Shaun of the South, and what you just heard was Caleb Christopher Edwards playing some fine, fine Madeline music. This guy is not just good. He's blow your hair back and melt your eyeballs good. <laughs> this next uh, this next tune we're going to play, he's going to introduce here. Uh, it's called Sincerely Your Past. Is that right, Caleb? Yes, sir. Sincerely Your Past. Tell us how you came by that name. Well, um, like I said before, the whole album, which is called Metamorphosis, by the way, kind of gives it away in the title, but it's it's a concept between um, that 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 was written between the ages of eighteen and twenty two, and so you kind of have. I actually just realized this. Um, I didn't realize this when I was writing the album, but the last song you just heard was called "To Christopher," and this song you're getting ready to hear is getting ready to hear is called "Sincerely Your Past," and it's. I realize that the whole album is is a bit of a kind of a journal entry or a letter of some sort. Um, but this, uh, we're kind of skipping a lot, but you have to listen to the album to get the whole picture. So make sure you do that. But, um, this, this song, uh, came about after going through, um, a fairly severe loss between my wife and I, we, um, suffered a miscarriage in 2016. It was definitely, um, you know, one of the hardest things that, I've been through personally and definitely in my marriage and, and, uh, we came out on the other side and we're still, we're still trucking and, and how, long, this, how far along was she when she, uh, Oh, not very, it's kind of a long story, but basically, uh, my wife has uh, chronic kidney disease and so we kind of had a one chance to do it. And so it was a huge roller coaster of emotions and, but you know, um, we got through it and we're still getting through it. And, uh, here we are almost four years to the day, but, um, but this song, we kind of, you know, we were just struggling along, just trying to get our bearings through everyday life. And we kind of woke up one morning and we're like, you know what? I'm making the decision to be okay. And so for me, I know that doesn't happen for everyone, but this was kind of a conscious decision in trying to keep my eyes forward instead of dwelling in what I was going through at the moment. And so it definitely didn't happen overnight where I was okay, but it was definitely a great first step into, you know, moving on a little bit. I like and, that. Yeah. I like that a lot. Okay, here it comes. Sincerely, Your Past by Caleb Christopher Edwards.
of our program is brought to you by visitnorthalabama.org the mountain lake stewards association visit the 16 north alabama counties and make this state what it is the alabama bass fishing trail features 13 of alabama's premier bass fishing lakes and stretches from the mountains of north alabama heading south to the mobile bay you might lie awake at night sometimes and wonder if you're a fisherman or not well here's a litmus test for you it's very easy you can do it in the privacy of your own home look in your refrigerator and if you see tartar sauce inside or cans of beer you are a fisherman whatever you do you can do it better in north alabama so visit northalabama.org or hashtag visit north al this just in 
The world's first environmentally friendly race car made of vegetables and powered by chocolate will be launched next month. The 145 miles per hour Echo F3 has a steering wheel made of carrots, a body made of potatoes, and a seat made of soybeans. It is the first Formula 3 racing car designed and made from sustainable and renewable materials, reports the Daily Telegraph. Now, back to your regular programming. Well, thank you, Steve. Thank you, Steve. The world's first environmentally friendly race car brought to you by Grandma's Vegetables. Look for them in your grocer's freezer section in the freezer aisle. If you can't find them, tell your grocer that you want Grandma's Vegetables. Hey, thanks for listening to Sean of the South. I'm your host today, Sean Dietrich. And man, I just want to say what a bona fide pleasure it is coming to you live via the podcast airways and the radio is all over this fine nation. It is a very pollen-filled day here in Northwest Florida. That means that the hoods of everybody's cars are covered in yellow dust that could kill a small baby. I'm not kidding about this. This yellow dust pollen will short-circuit your body and put you down underneath the ground, which is probably why you hear my my nasal passages are just a touch, just a touch, uh, clogged up. Don't worry, the, the best way to clear your nasal passage is to talk to a whole lot of people who don't give a rip what you have to say, which is what podcasts are made for. That's why I want to say thanks to you letting me come through your uh, stereo speakers of your minivan or your car or your Bluetooth headset or through the speakers of your cell phone. Thanks for letting us defile your ear hole. I used to be totally immune to pollen dust. When I was a kid, it seemed like I could inhale this stuff. I mean, I could snort pollen dust right up my nostrils and I would be fine. I I would not even have so much as a sniffle or a watery eye or nothing. But then something happened. I got a little bit older and that pollen started to tear me up. And boy, you can see it flying through the sky. It's these huge sheets of yellow just drifting along on the wind currents and landing on your windshield and on your hood and covering up all the bird poop on your on your, your roof of your car. And it lands on your roof. And there's even small cats who got caught in the middle of a nap are covered in this yellow powder. And when they stand up, they have to shake just like they've been caught underneath an avalanche of of disgusting nasal clogging you know baby killing yellow powder well i'd like to read you a letter here i got from a woman a listener named carol carol says uh, dear sean i'd like to thank you for this studio podcast that you have transitioned to doing because i enjoyed your live podcast but your studio podcast seems intimate to me i feel like you're talking right to me just a note of thanks also keep the voice down because i use you as a sleep aid five minutes of listening to your voice and i am asleep on my pillow but seriously thanks for the podcast you see, that's what I get in the mail. That's that is your typical uh, uh, listener. She, she's if she's out there right now. I just want to say, sweet dreams, Carolyn. I, <laughs> I didn't expect to 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 do a podcast at all in my life. I didn't expect to to do anything like this because in this world you've got two different people. 
uh, if you ask me. You've got regular Joes, okay, and you've got exceptional Joes. Now, I am what you would call a regular Joe. I'm an average Joe sometimes, but most of the time I'm a regular Joe. Those are two different, very different things. you got the regular Joes and the average Joes. They all belong to the same subgroup, but they're not the same thing. An average Joe is somebody who 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 sits on their sofa and drinks uh, cheap, generic, light beer that was on clearance at Isles Liquor Barn or at the grocery store in the in the rot gut aisle where they get rid of surplus items. And then there is the regular Joe, who is just even a notch below that. That's me. Okay, regular Joe. Exceptional Joes. These are people who you can. You can see them in every station of life. You can go to a Starbucks. You can go to a fast food joint. You can go to a top-level organization with CEOs and vice presidents, and you will see exceptional Joes naturally separate themselves from the regular and average Joes. The exceptional Joes are the people who seem to take charge. They seem to be nicer looking than everybody else. They seem to have more of an assertive personality, or they've just got more talent, or they have whatever they're are exceptional joes and there's the everybody else and i'm everybody else so you can imagine how interesting it was when a few days ago i got this letter via email that said congratulations reverend sean on your three-year ordination three-year ordination now originally i looked at it and i thought this is funny this is real funny. This could be the most funny junk mail I ever got in my life. And I about deleted it. And then I realized, wait a second. This is legit. This is a legit email. Let me explain. I was asked by a reader of mine, a, a, a sweet lady who read my column faithfully, if I would conduct her wedding. Uh, this was bizarre, really bizarre. Now, I'd never been asked this before. Uh, and to be honest, I've never been asked this again. And I guess regular Joes are not usually called upon to officiate and perform religious services. This is, I mean, to tell you the truth, I'm not really a religious guy. I, mean, I was raised fundamentalist. I was raised in religion. But you wouldn't be disappointed if you thought that I was a religious guy. I'm just a regular Joe who happens to have several openly Episcopalian friends. So I was not for this idea. In fact, I thought this idea was the worst idea I'd ever heard in my life, and I originally turned it down. I said, thanks, but no thanks. I think uh, I think I would be more of a liability to your service if you had me. She begged me. She said, please, I'm not a religious person, and I want somebody who kind of shares my my easygoing thoughts, <laughs> my lackadaisical thoughts on spirituality, if that's what you call it, uh, to, to marry me and my husband and my fiance. Well, I still turn her down, but it was my wife who was watching me have this phone conversation with this bride-to-be, and my wife indicated through fluent hand gestures that if I did not officiate this wedding for this sweet, lovely bride, that I would be walking with a limp for the rest of my life. So I agreed. The next step was to look at myself in the mirror and think, what have I done 
So for guidance, I called the Escambia County Courthouse. Uh, this, this bride lived in Alabama, and the wedding was going to be an Alabama wedding. And I called the Escambia County Courthouse, which is the county uh, where Bruton, Alabama, is located, which is where she lived. And I asked the lady on the phone, I said, uh, yeah, hi, my name's Sean Dietrich, and I have, I'm supposed to marry two people. You know, how do I go about doing that? And she said, sir, polygamy is illegal in Alabama. And we were off to a great start. I learned from her that in order to marry two people in Alabama, you have got to be officially ordained by a religious organization. It doesn't matter which organization, just as long as it's an organization. She did not explain to me how exactly I was supposed to get a major world religion to give me wads of unbridled spiritual authority. She just said that I needed to be ordained by a recognized organization. So I hung up the phone, thus thus uh, endowed with new information, and I needed to find, find out more. So I called my buddy Ray J. Ray J, aside from being a uh, qualified dirt bike mechanic and op rattlesnake rodeo contestant, once conducted a backyard wedding ceremony for his brother, LJ, in his backyard. It was a service that I will never forget. The congregation sat on lawn chairs, and when the service was over, there were a lot of hoops and hollers, four roll tides, three war eagles, and then it was the reception was held in the same backyard, and everybody turned their dogs loose. And I would just have to say that the Strawberry Hill Boone's Farm Fruit Punch was out of this world. And so was the spray cheese saltines. I mean, just exquisite. So Ray J knew something about this. He said uh, he was working on his dirt bike one day. And I went over to see him. He said, oh, man, getting ordinated's easy. I said, you mean ordained? He said, whatever, tomato, tomato. Listen, all you got to do is get on the internet and find yourself this 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 little spiritually neutral organization and they'll give you an ordination certificate and the best part about it is it only costs fifty bucks. Fifty bucks. Well that was a major selling point for me. I didn't want to spend a whole lot of money on getting my ordination papers. First of all, uh I don't I couldn't foresee myself using them ever again because my only spiritual uh, affiliation, official spiritual affiliation was occasionally attending an Episcopalian keg party or saying grace at Thanksgiving now and then. So I got online. I started looking at these uh, ordination packages. And there was a wedding ordination package that offered for $50, you would get an ordination certificate in Alabama. A nationwide, even. I was, you know, if you're going to get ordained, might as well get ordained in every state. And it offered a little plastic card that said clergy on it. And you could wear this plastic card around your neck or you could hang it from your rearview mirror uh, so that you could park up front in the hospital when you go to visit people in the little space that they've got reserved for clergy. Wow. 
wow, clearly there was a lot more to this ordination thing than I had considered. So I paid my 50 bucks and I answered their religiously neutral questions that they asked me. These were questions that did not lean toward any religious affiliation whatsoever. They just said stuff like, do you or does anybody you know believe in anything? Check yes or no. Or uh, do you or anybody in your family, do you know uh, what you believe? Or does anybody that you know or do you personally know the words to the Allstate jingle? Are you a convicted felon? If not, would you like to be? And so on and so forth. And then you send this in and then you wait a few days and they send you this package back in the mail. And it's got all your stuff in it, your plastic you know, clergy card and your ordination certificate. And then you are as ordained as Jimmy Swaggart. You can conduct weddings. You can visit a Pentecostal service and handle snakes. You can do it all. You're ordained. I was ordained. There was my name. Sean Dietrich, Reverend Sean Dietrich. I'll be dog. Yeah, the wedding took place in Bruton, Alabama, Escambia County. Great, great, tiny town where my wife is from. It is filled with nostalgia. It just seeps out of the out of the sewer grates. It's a beautiful place. It's not the kind of place where there are going to be all sorts of construction going on behind you because their main industry is real estate, kind of like the construction that's going on behind me right now. It's not the kind of place where you're going to find a super target or where you're going to find a Dick's Sporting Goods. It is the sort of place where Andy Griffith might live. And I rolled into town. It was afternoon. And I rolled into the parking lot with my ugly, dirty, muddy truck. 2000 model. Ugly, ugly truck. My muddy, ugly truck has not had a bath since the day I got it. It is well reputed to be the most disgusting truck. So disgusting that when you open one of the doors... The piles of garbage and their structural integrity is compromised and they start to lose their solidity and spill all over the ground. And so when I kicked open the door, it was an avalanche of trash going down onto that parking lot. And among this trash, and I'm not kidding here, among this trash was my dress shoes, was several soda cans. Uh, several corn nut bags, Lay's potato chip bags, and a potted fern that, remember, I'm still telling the truth here, a potted fern that I had received for speaking, making a little speech at an elementary school. They'd given it to me, and I don't really have a whole lot of places in, in my life for a potted fern, so I could never imagine what I'd do with it, so I just left it in my truck. And I'll be dogged if that thing didn't thrive in that truck without food or water or toilet or nothing. It just sat there and it grew. And so it all fell out there on the on the parking lot and I was chasing barefoot. I was chasing a rolling renegade Coca-Cola can across the parking lot. And I saw this woman, the wedding planner, looking right at me, standing at a distance. She watched me roll along after this can and I caught the can and she said excuse me sir excuse me uh you can't park here we're fixing to have a wedding and I said it's okay I'm the preacher and you could have knocked her down with a feather she had to be revived with cold water after that but the wedding was beautiful I got into this little 
place and uh, all the chairs were set up it was decorated with with flowers and and white cloth and the reception was going to be held in the same place after that and there was this big gift table and there were people buzzing around and barking orders you can really tell the regular joes from the average joes from the exceptional joes in a wedding somebody always assumes the saddle of leadership and they start barking orders at, at someone else and sometimes it ain't bride the bride herself sometimes it is the bride's mother or or the bride's best friend someone is pointing their finger and telling you that if you don't do what you're supposed to be doing by folding up that chair and putting it where it belongs, you're you're going to be castrated. And I walked in and I was armed with a, a small pocket-sized leather-bound book of common prayer that my wife had bought from a flea market uh several years ago i mean as soon as we got married she bought this we we love to shop flea markets mainly for useless items that mean that have no earthly purpose but we leave them sitting around our house for decor this is a married man's term decor get to know it anybody who's not married men who are not married yet you will need to know what decor is just as much as you will need to know that it is imperative that you put the toilet seat down after you're done peeing that is a free public service announcement for anybody who cares to know. This leather-bound book of common prayer was 10 cents at the flea market. And I know this because it had this little pink sticky price tag on the front. It said 10 cents. And I removed that price tag and I stuck it in my pocket. I was wearing a blazer, black blazer, black slacks, black shoes, black tie. I looked like... A limo driver, either that or one of the three tenors. And it had been a little time since I had my last haircut. I was overdue for a haircut. I was sporting the shaggy look, and I hadn't shaved my face since I was 17 years old. I don't believe in razor blades because uh, if God wanted me to have a smooth face, he wouldn't have made it possible for me to plug my nose, to close my eyes, and sprout a five-inch long beard. I'm covered in hair. I do not look good when I'm dressed up as a three tenor or a limo driver. I stood up there at the altar, and I will never forget this as long as I live. And and the crowd had filtered in, and they were all f sitting in their places, dressed up fine. And I was trembling. I'm in shaking hard underneath my clothes. My knees were knocking, and my hands were shaking. I was just sick, just sick. And then it was time. The groom got up there and joined me. And he, he looked nervous too. And he looked right at me and said, yeah, I'm not, I don't know if I can do this. And I just swallowed and I said, it's going to be okay. Because once a long, long time ago, my uh, friend who married me looked at me and said the very same thing. And I didn't, I couldn't think of anything else to say. I could have pointed to the exit, I guess. And then the music played and she walked down the aisle, this bride, radiant and fair with a white dress and a long train falling behind her. And there's this regular Joe at the altar looking like a fool.
fool holding his little flea market book of common prayer and she comes up and she holds the hands of her groom and I walk them through several vows that I read through the book. I said, dearly beloved, we're all gathered here. And as soon as I said that, my voice broke. The weight of the situation was falling on me. And I, I, I felt hot water gather behind my eyes. There's nothing I love more than love. And there's nothing that brings out that happiness in me more than a wedding. I love weddings. And I got caught up in that moment. No longer was I nervous. No longer was I scared. I was sort of excited. I was glad to be there. And I was honored. And I was, I was feeling this magic that was in the air. And the room was filled with nothing but sniffles and, and people who were dabbing their eyes, even the men. And I said, do you take this woman to be your lawfully wedded wife? And he said, I do. And she said, I do. And then when I said, you may kiss the bride, they kissed and people clapped and they stood. And so help me, Lord. There were three roll tides and two war eagles. That that reception was wonderful. It was not the kind of reception with Strawberry Hill Boone's Farm Fruit Punch. It was the kind of reception with the real deal. It was catered by a barbecue joint with all the greasy greens and, and ribs and, and barbecued chicken. And there were people dancing to a DJ and there were kids out on the dance floor. And I even got out there and joined them and danced the funky chicken for a little while and, and pulled a hamstring. And when it was over... I started to walk out, loosening my necktie and shoving it into my blazer pocket. And I saw this huge gift table right there on the way out. There was mounds of, of, of white paper wrapped gifts and shiny ribbons and bows. I realized I'd forgotten a gift. But I also realized that I'd gotten a gift. I had gotten to see love. If you're fortunate enough to get to see love one time in this world, then you are fortunate enough. All I can say is, I certainly hope that bride enjoyed her potted fern. Well, I guess the band has started to play, so that means it's about time for me to shut up. How about you sing this along with me? An old favorite where there's a dark and a troubled side of life And there's a bright and a sunny side too If we meet with darkness and strife A sunny side also we may view Sing it now Keep on the sunny side Always on the sunny side Keep on that sunny side of life It will help us every day It will brighten all our ways If you keep on well, this episode was brought to you by Case Knives, a tradition of my family dating back to my granddaddy who once said the best cure for idle hands was to build something. That music here behind me today is Blue Mullet Bluegrass Band for Fairhope, Alabama. Our show is written by Stephen Davis, Fiddle Landers, and Artificial. Special thanks to Stephen Hood, Hill and High Water, and Anita Bath. Go check out Caleb Christopher Edwards' mandolin music at calebplaysmandolin.com and download his music today. As always, our music is curated every week by my buddy Ron Taylor, WNC, original music podcast. You owe yourself a favor to go listen to his show. One, two, three, let's see. 
Keep on the sunny side. <laughs> almost missed it. Almost missed it. Keep on that sunny side alive. Well, it will help us every day. It will brighten all our way. If you keep on that sunny side alive. How about a little fiddle here? Come on. favorite verse well the storm and all its fury broke today crushing dreams that we cherish so dear but in time it'll all pass away and the sun again will shine bright and clear last time keep on the sunny side always on the sunny side keep on that sunny side alive when it will help us every day it will brighten all our ways if you keep on that sunny side alive if we keep on that sunny side alive keep on the sunny side and i hope you have a great week <laughs>